0: Good evening, Patriots, and it's the end of Friday. West Coast, we're almost getting there. East Coast, you already bumped into the next day, but it's nice. Friday, November 4th, 2022. Before we go further, do think about getting everything you need for the best night's sleep possible, and one of those things is the best sheets you can possibly have, and that's mypillow.com. In particular, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards because there's a crazy good special right now on Giza cotton sheets for $29.99, which is as low as they've ever been. I'm telling you, (laughs) as a guy, for me to speak about sheets, that's a little different. But I love those sheets. They are awesome. So comfortable. Great night's sleep. Match that with a MyPillow pillow. Match that with a MyPillow comforter. You're literally in the money. So check it out, mypillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S, which seems to be of growing popularity these days, which is awesome because everybody wants to have a Bards promo code. And as long as they give good deals to Bards Nation, we're happy. So if you want to speak to a real person over at MyPillow, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939. And use your promo code again, Patriot pillow counselors are there right on standby, walk you through everything you need. Service is great. Products are great. Company's great. Can't get better. So again, mypillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. So this is a little different show tonight, only in that I'm going to share with you some process that happened here before I started. And we're just going to kind of see where this one goes. So I really had no... Specific thing to do tonight. And I was making my coffee and I said, All right, Father, let's, where do you want the show to go? And I had some ideas, which I'll, I'll touch on a few of them, kind of thoughts that were on my mind, kind of about our passions and so forth. But I sat down and something caught my eye on Telegram. And it's just, it's just all weird the way this happens. And it was called The Last Trump. So I looked it up and it actually exists. It's a, it's a Wikipedia entry called The Last Trump, which comes from a biblical quotation in 1 Corinthians 15. So The Last Trump is a science fiction short story by American writer Isaac Asimov. It was first published in June of 1955 issue of Fantastic Universe and reprinted in the 1957 collection, Earth is Room Enough. Although humorous, it deals inter alia with serious subject calendar reform. So inter alia there was an issue displaying this message. I don't even know what that is. So anyway, um, calendar reform is any significant revision of the calendar system. So I was like curious, you know, it's kind of odd so I'm going to read through this a little bit. But was what really caught my eye is it was a Corinthians issue. And when I got there, it even became more interesting because as I read down into it, it gets into some things that have been very pressing on prayer for me. So it's just like, all right, I don't know. So I can't tell you this was father-led, but I can tell you it sure is interesting. So the, the just to kind of give you, you can look this up, the last Trump, if you're curious. I don't want to really get into it because I don't. I don't really know what this is other than a science fiction short story. I find the name interesting, obviously, because of our president. The date's interesting because it's goes back quite a ways. Um, and it has to do with, I'll just read the first paragraph. By order of the Council of Ascendants and approved by the chief uh, in the monotheistic thought, God is usually viewed, viewed as a supreme being, creator, and principal object of faith. So they're kind of referring, they're calling the chief as a reference to God. It is decided that the day of resurrection, essentially the last judgment, is due on earth despite the protestations of ethereal. A junior seraph, and a seraph is a type of celestial or heavenly being originating in ancient Judaism, with responsibility for the world, whilst he seeks an audience with the chief, meaning God, to plead for a stay of execution for his planet. The last trump is sounded. As of January 1, 1957, time comes to a stop on earth. A mysterious figure known only as R.E. Man, a pun on Ariham, Arimen, which is hypostasis of the destructive evil spirit, the Persian name for Satan, later revealed as the devil makes his way across the world seeing what has happened in the hereafter and is pleased with it. All the dead are coming back to life naked and uncaring, He meets a former professor of history who observes that the people have indeed been judged and are not in heaven but hell. He also meets a manufacturer of breakfast cereal who Rich angrily threatens to sue since no one will need this product anymore. Ethriel has the meeting with the chief and argues that the date, January 1, 1957, unqualified, is meaningless and that, therefore, a single day of resurrection is also impossible. The chief, in other words, God, agrees and declares that the end will come only when all the peoples of the earth agree on a common date, which, given the wide variety of cultures on earth, is extremely unlikely to ever occur. The world is instantly restored to normality. R.E. man frustrated in his endeavors, plans to promote the adoption of a new calendar system based on the atomic era to begin on to 1940, January, December 2nd, 1944. Interesting, kind of just. I just. I'm just. I'm going to mention is interesting. I don't know anything more about it. Just an interesting play on thought. But let's dig into one Corinthians 15. The fact of Christ's resurrection, and I think we'll find some meat in here, which I think is pretty relevant for what we've been working on this week. And, I, and like I say, this is pretty unusual for me because I like to spend some time reading scripture and prepping for a show, but tonight I'm just kind of let it flow. We're going to see where it takes us, so hopefully you'll be good with that, and we'll just kind of walk it together and see what opens up. It's been an interesting week, and it's been an interesting consideration on a lot of things, not the least of which is the times that we're in and the pressing nature of people needing to come to Jesus and awaken to the true sense of our responsibility in Christ. So what, beginning with 1 Corinthians 15, 1, Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I handed down to you as a, of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and I am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God." But by grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than, of, than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whenever then it, is, it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we are all people most to be pitted. For me, as I read this, there's some interesting things that jump out. And what is the reminder of Paul? Paul. Because he was a persecutor of Christians in the church. And so this loops back very interestingly to a lot of the conversations. Again, I am going to just kind of say this. I, I literally said to God just a little bit ago, what are we going to do tonight? And it seems like we're right where we need to be. So buckle up. This is God. We've been talking a lot about forgiveness. And I think it's very easy to hold on to anger. And I know that there's a lot of people that have anger right now. And there's nothing wrong with having anger. Let's be clear. The Bible doesn't say not to have anger. It's how we channel it. For one, we're not supposed to go to sleep with anger on our heart. But that's not always easy when your enemy's constantly lurking. But anger and vengeance are not equal. And the thing about Paul is that God called him and forgave him after he was butchering Christians. And it's something we too often overlook or like to sideline. And you really have to look at that in your heart and ask yourself what God is seeing. Because while he's out there slaying Christians, God is seeing somebody that he wants to call to be an apostle. So I'm, I'm putting this there because we have a tendency of wanting to cast out people. We love to say things like, well, you're not saved in Christ, you're going to hell. And yet, God had the power to pull Paul in and made him an apostle. Which means that, and I've said this here, you've heard me say it, someone like Harari, who's like the probably the most despicable atheist out there right now. He would be an amazing conversion into the love of Jesus. I'm not, I would never cast him out. I would pray for him. Because if he was to repent and accept Christ, he would shake the world. We've talked about that with President Trump. But the problem, we, we talk a lot, but I don't know how much we really believe it. And this is a big deal because in our faith if if we're not trusting in God and putting our faith in Father God I I think these words here are pretty are very apropos to this then are basically as Paul is saying our faith is worthless and this gets a lot to forgiveness because we again when we say forgiveness the common thread on forgiveness is that we are giving up our right for we're giving up the right of justice and accountability and that is not what forgiveness is and furthermore with forgiveness because I even read some comments last night I was kind of surprised that after everything we talked about in the last night's show people were just saying I don't care there was a couple there was like there was some comments like I don't care I'm still angry I'm not going to forgive I, well that's your choice that's on you if you do it but this is what I know God says that for us to be forgiven, we have to forgive. And if that's tough, then too bad because the narrow path was never intended to be an easy path. I also know having worked with and on operations with some of the finest operators in the world in military circles, none of us ever had vengeance on our heart and there wasn't anger on our heart. Those that like to talk the big game They're they're not they've not actually seen it executed. So when you consider and really relens our world here as we are on a mission rather than we are some subservient dirt sacks that are trying to struggle and get by just so we can get to heaven that that part of that translation, which is pure weakness and we've lost our way type preaching, you're never going to find that here. We have a mission here, a very clear one, and we are orders above these demonic whores that roll this world. But because as a Christian movement, we have forgotten how much we've been given and we don't believe in it, then we have been become servants to the demonic horrors, which again roam this world, I've read these passages a lot, and I want to dig into these passages. And we'll come back to one Corinthians fifteen, and it's Luke ten nineteen and John fourteen twelve. But where I'm going to read them, I want you to ask yourself a question. This isn't to be answered by anybody but you and to your prayers in God. But I want you to ask, in the red letter language that these are written. Do you believe them or do you read them? And if you believe them, do you believe what they are telling you as to who you are? Or are you going to try to say that that's not really what they mean? Because it's red letter language. And it opens up the true nature of who we are as, as God's children. And I'll read Luke 10, 19 first. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you keeping in mind that snakes and scorpions are a reference to the two two big cults magic cults that dealt with medicine pharmacia and magic of control of people well healing technically but anyway the Luke 10:19 is the foundation and if you believe it if it's said and you and you read it and you truly believe it then you have to explore where it is that you have authority. And furthermore, is that just physical authority or is it spiritual authority? And if it's spiritual authority, which actually trumps physical authority, then that should be, that's a relens on everything that we do and operate in, in this realm. That passage and why I read it so much redefines our entire relationship to the world we're in. If you accept it, believe it, and seek to live it. And I do, just so we're clear. I don't sit here and question whether that or doubt what that says because I've run into many people that have suggested like, no, that's not what it actually means. It's like, really? That's interesting. What does it mean? And they never are able to answer it. They do a sideline, little walk around on it because the church has conditioned people to believe that the supernatural does not exist. And so I would say this, if the supernatural does not exist, then we go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and what Paul has written, which is literally then the resurrection doesn't exist and you have spoken out against God, basically said that he's lied. Because you can't have resurrection without having the supernatural. And if you don't have the supernatural, then every bit of the story about Jesus is false. Just saying. And that leads us right into John fourteen twelve. Red letter language again from Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. So the works that Jesus did on this earth, we would be able to do. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. But speak that in a, in a regular church and you're heretic. And yet that's what it says. And to go further is that it says it will do greater works than these because he's going to the Father if we believe in him. So again, I'm, I'm putting this to you. This is a question to me, a root question of how you relate your faith. Each one of us relates our faith. Let me put it that way. In our relationship with us here on earth, in our relationship with Father God and Christ Jesus. Because I'm not, if the Bible is, true then it's not partially true if Jesus's story is true it's not partially true because if it was partially true then we would be in a situation where Jesus could not have been the son the son of God there's no possible way and these things were written pre-cross by the way so they can't be a lie and they can't be hyperbole and they can't be an exaggeration just saying so i read these passages a lot because they to me they unlock something that we have never embraced they're they're the beginning steps they're crumbs to an indication of something greater that we have been basically dumbed down to believe doesn't exist miraculous healing it's just like healing a miraculous healing, prayer healing. There has been a lot of charlatans, don't get me wrong. And unfortunately, some of those charlatans have given it a bad name, but that doesn't mean because you have some charlatans that it doesn't exist. And when you embrace what this is, this is telling us how great we are, not how unworthy we are. So much about what this walk is, is love, the love of father that comes through us. And this isn't just, this isn't about me or you having some magic keys that I suddenly become see, because this is where the Satanists will take it. These types of passages, they will turn into something that says I can do what Jesus did and I therefore am God. That's not what these say. Because what these are saying is as we walk into the body of Christ and accept the full sense of us being part of one body, which means humbleness, humility, it means love, it means forgiveness. And when we walk in that space, Father is able to work through us to create the amazing things that happen in this world like this, like what Jesus did. But in the me world, When we too many read these, I would probably think that many of them are reading as though I, me, me personally can do these things. No, I will become the vehicle, the vessel by which Father works through me to create these things because as Christ goes to the Father, so we walk in the body of Jesus. Important perspectives that I think we have to really grab because we're in a very important time right now where Evil's on the march. Lucifer's on the march. And he's—I if I was Lucifer, I'd be pretty happy, which is interesting because that's exactly what it's said in that book, short story, The Last Trump. In that story, Lucifer, or the character that they have to represent him, is very happy on the condition of the earth because people just don't care. If I was Lucifer, there'd be a portion of this earth I'd be very pleased with because people just don't care. And even better, people have accepted the fact that they are unworthy. And even better, people have rejected the idea that supernatural is possible. It's wonderful. It's nice programming. And I reject all of it. As we are connected into the body of Christ, John fourteen twelve 12 comes to life. So let's continue with one Corinthians fifteen. But the fact is, this starts at one Corinthians fifteen twenty, but the fact is Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of these are also asleep. For since by a man for since by a man death came, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, After that, those who are Christ's are his coming. Then comes the end. Then he hands over the kingdom to our God and Father. When he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is clear that this excludes the father who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to the Father, so that God may be all in all. For likewise, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why then are they baptized for them? Why are we also in danger every hour? I affirm, brothers and sisters, by the boasting of, in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, that I die daily. If from human motives I fought from the wild beast of Ephesus, what good is it to me? If the dead are not raised, let's eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Sober up morally and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Boy, that last couple sentences there are profound. Because this comment, it's all in caps. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That principle, which is centered here on this passage, that the idea that there's you're not raised from the dead, so it's a counter. It's an argument saying, if you're not raised for the dead, then the dead are not raised. Then let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That concept is rooted in Aleister Crowley's work. This is the foundation of every Satanist church, and it's rooted in the cartels' worship of the the Saint of Death, which was created about twenty years ago or so. Same thing, that we live today and we eat and drink because tomorrow we shall die. Complete inversions of one of the most critical things, and really, if we look at this, the power of this is the inversion of other groups like Satanists or cartels, because it's always a mockery of God we are therefore hearing in our own ears as they say these things the truth in inversion think about that for a minute they don't create these things out of nowhere it's rooted everything that satan does is a mockery or inversion of what god does so if you see a motto of or hear something like let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die the statement is of truth that in fact we do have a resurrection and death, and we do have life ever after if you accept Christ, but the trap is to believe in something that nonsense-like, and that's where the progressive left is even rooted, because it's a, everything is about me and me in the moment. Let's continue. But someone will say, how are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? You fool, exclamation point. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one flesh of mankind, another flesh of animals, another flesh of birds, another flesh of fish. There are also heavenly, heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. Thus for the stars differ from star and glory. So we've. In this one passage, we've already distinguished that there's differences. If you want to take that to modern-day science, that would be DNA differences between man, flesh of animals, flesh of birds, which we can prove, keeping in mind that this was written some time before that type of science existed. And we go further to, to acknowledge that there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. So again... That means supernatural exists and is active. So also in there is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. It's pretty amazing when you think about it, isn't it? The glory of the kingdom, and where we are literally here trying to tread around worrying about credit card bills and trite little things like this. And yet we are amazing beings rooted within this earth shell, earthen shell. And we are keep telling ourselves somehow that we can't overcome all of this. We have to get to the core of what we really are. And I don't have these answers. This is part of my own journey of exploring. I'm sharing it with you. But I will tell you that it infuriates me with righteous anger the principles that somehow we have to fight in this realm with hatred. We have to fight in this realm by shedding blood. And we have to fight in this realm just to even meek out a living. Because somehow we're enslaved by a demonic class when we have the greatest God of all, the one God, the true God, who definitely knows what wrath is and has told us that vengeance is his, who has demonstrated over the time the power of his wrath. We have also seen the power of his judgment. And yet he has bestowed to us through Christ, who has given dominion over heaven and earth, It was the sons of God, mighty men of God that were given the earth to rule. So how is it that we've ended up in this place of being subjugated to a Luciferian blood cult that preys on children and convinces people to take a shot that will destroy their inner functionings and break down their temple and potentially even corrupt their DNA? How does that happen? when we are a product of the most high and it happens because we've allowed the corruption in thinking to come into us and we haven't embraced the greatness and the glory of what was given to us throughout scripture but in particular for tonight's sake two passages Luke 10:19 and John 14:12 those two passages are so blatantly clear And yet, we are here in this time watching people drop dead daily, whether in news or in presence, because they gave up their greatness to be subjects of enslavement to a system that ultimately is created by the hand of Lucifer. Wow. I, wow. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown and a perishable body. It is I'm reading this again. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written the first man Adam became a living person. The first man the first the last Adam was a life-giving spirit. However the spiritual is not first but the natural then the spiritual. The first man is from earth earthly the second man is from heaven as is the earthly one so also are those who are earthly and as in the heavenly ones, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have been born the image of the earthly, we are also born the image of the heavenly. It's a dual existence we have. And we only acknowledge one part of that. We acknowledge the existence of the dirt world. And we try to pray into the spiritual world and don't even spiritual world and don't even acknowledge it as that we're part of both. And so we get to that place that I talk about so much, which is we have to seek the living relationship with Father God and with Jesus because we can, because it is given to us. The entire angelic realm, is here in so many forms to serve us at the will of God. Can you imagine being them watching God's creations? And we've been given this and believe so many gifts we've been given. Just one of these is right here as we've been given the existence in physical form and in spiritual form. We've been given both to where we can play that out in real time experience the physical knowing how knowing that we are great and powerful spiritually and yet as a physical form we choose to worship material things we choose to dis to deny God and we choose to deny the supernatural man I'll tell you if there isn't a certain level of righteous rage in heaven, I would be shocked. It is a corruptible time that we're in, and the only way out of that corruption begins with the acceptance of Jesus and accepting to be remade and then through repentance. But then it goes further because the power in which we have here and been given is something we have to pursue and seek and accept. But if you're going to limit your belief to the pounding thing of I am unworthy or some version of that and the obsession of the material, Jesus has said, has said, and he said it in the, in the parable of the poor, of the young rich man, sell all your things and give that away and then you can walk with me. That wasn't said just for him, it was said for everyone to have in your nature not to be attached to physical things and to be able to walk free of the attachments to the physical and to the attractions and the pleasures of the flesh. And in our world, if you look and watch, pay attention to how much. And I just as an example, just go to a YouTube feed of any kind. Go cruise commercials of any kind. And everything in this world is based around the sens- sensual, the sexual, the physical, the material. And even if you get an advertisement for something holy, it's going to be holy based on something you have to buy or something you're, you're intended to worship physically. Our greatness is like watching a perfect fruit die on the vine. And I can only imagine the sorrow that would be felt in heaven and it's not because people don't pray and it's not because people don't try to reach god it's because people don't choose to live to seek him to and build the most intimacy with him they limit themselves and it's right there before us all you have to do is open that up and begin the conversation and start exploring the depths of what it is to have a true living relationship with the father and true living relationship with jesus but it doesn't start on Sunday and end at Sunday at one or at Sunday after your Sunday dinner. It's every breathing moment and it carries on into your sleep. It's all the time. And that process, the more that we push into that process of living constantly through him, the more we surrender ourselves to him, the more that we are guided by him. The less we are obsessed about ourselves and our personal needs, and the more we become as he intends us to be. At the center of all of that are those things that we've talked about that are so important. You have to accept Christ and you have to repent, you have to forgive. You have to live with the love of the kingdom, which is not that wet, smooshy kiss you give somebody, the corporal love, but the true passion of love that Father brings into this world, which in itself is so powerful, it disarms everything. Hence, no weapon forged against you can succeed, which does not mean you won't get cut. It just means it won't succeed. And that leads us to the place of living fearlessly. Because in faith, if you have faith, you can't have fear by definition. And then you have to walk humbly. And so, with that, we walk in truth. We speak the truths. And we walk as Father would want us to walk, not as we judge others and choose to walk. And we become mighty men of God and women for that matter in through a process. We have a mission here and it's not to mark time and wait for Christ to return. That's going to happen, but that's not our mission. Much different. We have a mission here to occupy and expand and ultimately every chance we get subdue an enemy, which takes in many forms, heal the sick, cast out demons, and if we're listening to what is said we can do, which I'm just saying, raise the dead. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed this evening to be sent pretty much on a journey of unexpected, to arrive at a place of 1 Corinthians 15 and to just to read the words and to explore the greater sense of where we sit, what we truly believe, and what we deny. For we know that the words in the scriptures are true, not partially, but totally. And we know that you as a living God have given us all the tools we need and you've blessed us with whatever we need to become mighty men of God and mighty women of God in this world. The question, as we always put to ourselves, is, do we truly have faith? For those moments where we have, we doubt for the attempts that we make to convince ourselves otherwise, to limit the scope of what you can do within us, to try to tell ourselves that the words in scripture don't mean what they mean and don't explore for their deeper meaning, forgive us. Because it is upon us to explore deep and to share as was given to me, to share this now, as we read the Bible, the Bible ultimately reads us, which is to unlock the greater keys of knowledge, wisdom, and intention that you have for us that sit within us yet to be explored. So Father, we pray for hearts to be opened, for the scales of eyes to be dropped, for the limitations that we put on ourselves to be cast aside and for our minds to hear and, and see what we're capable of as our heart is open to the wisdom and greatness which you give us. Guide us in these times. Bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. And it's interesting and important that everything that Satan does attacks through the mind. And everything that God does moves us through the heart. So in, in reference, it's kind of honor of our previous guest, which was Luke from VOR. The heart is an electromagnetic engine. Think about that. Because everybody that's trying to make portals in the world is trying to use electromagnetics. We are an amazing being. that is so much greater than anything we've ever imagined or conceived. We cannot let this world limit us because God didn't limit us. This world is, and too often we do it ourselves. I challenge you when you read scripture to listen closely, not to what you're limited to believe, but to what the wisdom and hear only the wisdom, which God places on your heart and as uncomfortable as that may be at times, be fearless and let his words guide you because he wants us to be free. If he can take Paul, And set him on the path to be an apostle. Imagine what he can do with you if you're willing to obey. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us, he'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you Sunday night for Peace Be Still. Have a very blessed Saturday. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to
1: breathe again Dive into the deepest dead Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in